My name is Tim, and I love Christmas carols. Honestly, I love all things Christmas. I've also been a church musician and worship leader for over 20 years. On this podcast, we're going to explore some of the most popular and beloved Christmas carols of all time. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Nope, not that. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Definitely not that. I mean, the carols many of us grew up singing in church or hearing on TV specials and movies. If you take some time and slow down and really dig into those carols, you'll find profound hope and peace. And in small pockets of quiet this holiday season, you can find comfort and joy. This is Comfort and Joy. Today, my uh, first guest that we're actually doing, and I'll, I'll just I'll just pull the curtain back for a minute. This is the very first episode we are recording, so I've already joked with my guest that if anything goes wrong, it will probably be today, and she is definitely a guinea pig. Um, but our song today is. child is this? You might know it as Green Sleeves. Uh, we sing it in church every year. Uh, there's a lot of history behind it. And so we definitely want to take some time and unpack it. And so let me introduce my guest today. Uh, Megan McKenzie is a great friend of mine. We used to lead worship together decades ago uh, and uh, have actually gotten a chance to lead worship again recently uh, through a series of events. But in bringing her back in contact with me, I invited her to be on this podcast and so just a little bit about Megan. She studied at Howard Payne University, Stingham Jackets, and then also at Texas Women's University for her master's of music, focusing on piano performance. Um, she since then worked as a composer, a teacher, accompanist, and worship director. Um, she's been in church work for uh, in some form for about 16 years. She has a husband, Stephen. They've been married for 16 years as well, and a son who's seven years old. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to talk about what child is this? And I've invited Megan to come in, and I've actually, for each of my guests, invited them to pick their favorite Christmas song, something that they're passionate about, that they love. And so Megan, kind of just give us an idea of, of your take on what child is this and, and maybe what you love about it. Okay, so it's got such a mysterious sound to it i i think that as a kid that's what that's what always drew me to it was it had this this lilt mm. um and and i know this is this is kind of funny but i remember my dad my dad is a real quiet guy um isn't always going to you know jump right in and say what he thinks but i remember him saying this is my favorite Christmas song of all time. And I think that really influenced me too to pay more attention to it and to really value it. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's just that sound. It, yeah. It, it it's, just, ha- it's so different. It does have a very mysterious sound. It has a yeah. very, um, um, you know, almost almost wandering sound to it. Uh-huh. You know, a, a question. I think that that was very intentional. Well, we'll get into the, the nuts and the bolts of it here. So um, the idea, the history of this song. Yeah, I took a look at the background. Um, 
and just found, you know, it's based on the traditional English folk melody, Green Sleeves, which yeah. is basically a um, a love a lovelorn song, you know, um, right. sounds like uh, the man is in love with Lady Greensleeves and she just doesn't care. Um, so th- that's what it's taken from. You know, a lot of church songs were taken like that. Yeah. They're old, old melodies that had a different meaning at one time. Um, it's fascinating to think about, you know, that if we just took a pop song that's really popular right now. Yeah, I was looking at the top forty pop songs and I'm like, which which Justin Bieber song? Maybe not Justin Bieber. But which <laughs> which uh, which Drake song could you put on to? It, it's weird because you wouldn't you wouldn't think you about wouldn't doing think that today. of yeah right. But I and I remember reading it um, with some of the hymns they wanted. Uh, the church fathers wanted to teach through hymns. They wanted them to be accessible mm-hmm. uh, to the people because people didn't really read, but they sang. Right. And right. so that's I, how theology was taught a lot. Yeah. So yeah. I'm wondering if that's why this was. I can't say for sure, but I I have a a suspicion that it might have been the something same. that taps into the familiar. Yeah, would, would obviously help. I mean, that's just that just yeah. helps with as far as memory. Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny to me is about this song. I was reading about it, and the conservative Christian churches of the Victorian era didn't celebrate Christmas. Like they did not, mm. and they did not observe Christmas because it was more of a pagan holiday, mm. and so it was very unheard of for there to be such things thing as Christmas carols at one point. And now we don't think about that today. Like Christmas well, is my favorite, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I've already stated this Christmas my favorite oh, time. Like I love the holidays, yeah. and I love uh, everything that goes. So, you know, the, like you talked about, Green Sleeves was, fi- you know, 1500s kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, did you read the legend that it, that it might have been King Henry VIII that wrote it for Anne Boleyn? <gasps> no. It's a legend and they're, they're not, they're not going to confirm. But yeah, that's a legend that's out there. Ah, that, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it didn't, it wasn't first associated. Green Sleeves had a bunch of different lyrics that, they, that people, different, different people try to put with it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't first associated with Christmas until the 1640s. Okay. Um, but like you said, it was a popular pop song, you know, it was a yeah. pop or, or uh, it was a, they don't call it a pop song, a folk song. Mm-hmm. Folk sounds a lot more highbrow, but oh, it was yeah. a pop, it was a pop song, right? But it was, it, a, was, pop it, was, it, was it was a pop song. <laughs> we all know. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the things I read about said that it's arguable that, that without the tune, the lyrics wouldn't have been as popular. The, the lyrics that we know is what child is this, that because the tune, once it was set against the lyrics that were written, um, it became, it took off in popularity both uh, abroad and in the States. So I think there's something to be said for the, um, the, the, the timing and the, the pairing of the two. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the lyricist um, for What Child Is This? Because really it's the lyrics where, where the song became m- impactful in churches. Right, yeah. uh, Greensleeves, obviously. And, and we're going to get to the musical part of it in a minute because I want to talk about the different modes that you've heard this song recorded in its song. Okay, okay. And so I know you're, you're, you've got your background in piano performance, so we can talk a little music nerd, nerddom. Yeah. Maybe lose people for just a minute, but it's part <laughs> of the joy of, of being a musician uh, is, is this piece. So um, this was written by an insurance salesman, of all things. Okay. So like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And um, this guy's name is William Chatterton Dix. Awesome. His, his dad wanted him to be a, a surgeon, um, but he had no desire to do that. In fact, insurance was kind of just his, um, his, his paycheck. 
He was a poet. He loved to write. He loved to write poetry and prose. Uh, and um, one of the things that happened to him when he was 29, he was bedridden with a major illness, and he was in bed for months. Oh, my goodness. And so that, that led him to um, dig into the Bible, yeah. to dig into reading uh, other theologians. Yeah. And really it led to a reaffirmation, a rededication. Um, mm. in, in churches we call it rededication. But a reaffirmation of his trust in Christ. Mm. And so in that time is when he wrote the original lyrics to What Child Is This, which really came um, from a longer poem called The Manger Throne. And, you know, the, the, the thing about it, it was written in the 1800s, right? And, right. and language has evolved and changed since then. Um, and I was thinking about this hymn today, and it's one of the few hymns, uh, carols, that uses the term for donkey that we don't use very often anymore. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't know if you've had any funny experiences with that, but I can, I can share <laughs> one that uh, early on in worship ministry, I was in my 20s, I was like 24, mm. and it was a Christmas. It was one of the, the Sundays in December, and I picked two hymns, uh, um, this one, which all is this, and Good Christian Men Rejoice. Both of those use the phrase ox and ass. Mm-hmm. I was reprimanded by the pastor that day. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, he was that. like he said he said were you trying to uh, were you trying to be uh, you know upsetting? And I was like no sir I, I I was and I I'd grown up seeing these carols and I knew there was another meaning for for that I knew that was you sure. know nice. but in the in the context of the Christmas carol it never even entered my it never even entered my right. consideration but it, it's it's very interesting how language has evolved and. Yeah, I know. You know, I'm reading the Chronicles of Narnia with my son right now. It's super awesome. And I'm reading it aloud to him. But he uses this same word for for a donkey, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly editing that out because my son is seven. He will say it. He'll say it. (laughs) And not know. And, you know, but as far as reading it, reading this, I remember as kids we'd say, We'd be singing it, you know, where ox and, you know, you just kind of giggle. Well, and for a while, you know, working in the the Methodist church, they've edited it out. And it is now where ox and lamb are feeding. I think there there are definitely versions of of the modern hymnal that have changed that for that reason. Yeah. So like in the Methodist hymnal, that's what it says how do you feel about that do you think that's do you think that's contextually okay do you feel like it's kind of taking something away what do you think you know i don't i don't know i think that it definitely takes away the the wonderful comical memories of children but yeah right well that's (laughs) but as far as you know when you're thinking about context i mean um interesting question would a lamb be at the feeding trough in the stable you don't know, yeah, because they, they, were, be they out were out with in the, the field. Out in the field, you know, um, and uh, you know, and also the donkey could have been the donkey Mary rode in on. It could have been. That's right. You know, so interesting thought there. Yeah, it might take away something, I suppose. It might take away the, the original uh, intent. Yeah, yeah it yeah. might. So that kind of gets us into um, the idea of biblically how 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 accurate is this hymn? How accurate is right. this hymn? Does it? Does it really match up with what we see in Scripture in the Christmas story? And and what do you think? So, I had some, I had some thoughts there. Um, you know, one of the things that I see just right off the bat is that, and and this, um, th- this is not the only hymn that does this. This is not the only place we do this in the church. 
but it takes all the elements of the Christmas story and kind of squishes them together. Uh, you yeah, know, and yeah. it's it's like, you know, it, it makes me think of the we want the manger to fit on one mantelpiece. We want it all to be there together. It also kind of um ascribes an intentionality that isn't necessarily there like the shepherd's guard. Well, the shepherds said, hey, let's go check it out. They weren't necessarily guarding. They were just right, there. They were standing guard over the... They were just looking. Angels weren't there. Right. The angels were in the fields. The wise men were not there. It, Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew indicates that while Jesus was in the house, right. they came and gave him gifts. And some people think that Jesus was almost like two years old yep. before the, the wise men ever got there. And so you've got this picture, this, and it's it's a beautiful picture, and it's kind of like the manger that you you know the the manger scenes you see at Christmas. Everybody's there together, right? But that's not really what happened. It kind of we want it to be. Sometimes I think we want the story of Jesus to be simpler than it is. That Jesus appealed to these these wise men who sought him with misplaced faith yeah you know that's good that that he uh that he touched shepherds who were kind of the dregs of society and who really just kind of came to check it out they had no they were just like hey we saw this thing this is really crazy we saw these angels what is this about? Yeah, and they're it's just curi- it's curiosity. Curious. Yeah. It's curiosity. So like you have people who will show up at church because they don't have faith or piety. They're just like, what is this? Yeah. You, you know, what's going on yeah. here? That um, that Jesus touched the lives of a young woman uh, and a young man who uh, dealt with probably allegations of disgrace mm. and shame yep. because of God's plan for them. You know, that Jesus touched all the kinds of people that, let's be real, sometimes we kind of want to not The messy ones. The messy ones, right? Yeah. You know, and and one of the things, you know, in in looking at this story that I was singing, especially with the wise men, which the the song really kind of just alludes to them, but that they would have worshipped someone else, too. It was wow. what, whoever the star indicated. Right. If, if the star did not indicate Jesus, because they were astrologers. So the star, if they... They were obeying the, the stars. Yeah, they followed the star and met a, a prince. They would have worshipped him as well. Right. So to them, it was that misplaced faith, but they found him anyway. That Jesus sought them anyway, and it was a story... That was broader, and that it took longer to unfold. We, yeah, and and so while it's a, I mean, again, it's one, of, it's my favorite, man. But it's it kind of has that. Oh, it's they're intentional. They're all flocking to Jesus out of this piety. Not necessarily. I mean, as humans, we don't really get the hang of piety so well. No, and, <laughs> you know, thinking back to the the, the lyricist William Dix, I think. If he wrote this when he was in the throes of death, I mean, anybody who's faced th- their mortality struggles. And, and, and yeah. I, anything, everything I read, nothing said that he, they could find why he wrote these lyrics. Like he didn't yeah. say I was facing death or I was questioning my faith. Or, yeah. There was nothing written that said that. However, we can assume if, as a human that when you're faced with things that are, are traumatic, 
and are painful and are you know you're look you're 29 and you're going to die. That's I mean yes, yeah, 1800s totally. you didn't live as long as you do today, but 29 was still considered it's not still pretty young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think that first question, what child is this? That questioning nature mm. is it, 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 ref- it it's the true story of of the shepherds and the wise men. Right. And and you know even before. Joseph had the visit from the angel. He was questioning, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that, that and, you know, not that I don't want to jump ahead too soon, but the minor mode of the song helps with that pensive nature. Yes, Helps absolutely. with that, that, let's pause and let's really ask uh-huh. these questions. Well, and one of the things that occurred to me, um, you know, and I was looking over this again this morning, is even... I even wonder about the intentionality of the Christ child in this in this song versus good Christian fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. And I had written a question. I was like, is he pleading or is he a baby asleep? Right. Which, is, it, is he all God or know, all man? Right? Exactly. That's hard. And I'm like, is he choosing the consciousness of an infant? And and I looked up a scripture today. It was um, Proverbs thirty one eight. So before you get into the the Proverbs thirty one woman, there's right. some admonishments for a king, and it says, "Speak up for those who have no voice." And I thought Jesus became voiceless for us. He experienced. Yeah. He experienced true voicelessness and vulnerability, and. And that even though it is cool to think about him having that intentionality, it's also cool to consider that he didn't, that he was a sleeping moment. infant in that moment, totally dependent on most likely a 14-year-old girl in a really, uh, in a stable full of animals. In a non-sterile <laughs> environment. In a non-sterile environment. They didn't even know what sterile it's, meant. Yeah, like, they, it's like, sterile, yeah. all right, we're going to get in the straw and we're going to birth a child, yeah, you know? That, and the, so many things, so many things could have gone wrong. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, and so, you know, just to think about that he became voiceless for me and, and sometimes I, I get really hung up on my voice and my rights and, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and here's Jesus saying, I will give up my own voice. And he, and his voice spoke the stars and That's saying, so, you know, wow. and, but I'll give all that up for you. It's like, whoa. And so even just to say, to think of him not being intentional in that moment is kind of just makes me want to really worship for right. a second. That's really good. So, that's really a great observation. Yeah. Megan. That's awesome. Thanks. You know, I kind of took it verse by verse in the, in the first verse. Well, let's you, do this. Let's pause. Okay. Will, okay you, cool. will you read the lyrics? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, verse one, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean estate, where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh. 
the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh. Come peasant, king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise the song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born. The babe, the son of Mary. And I've got to say, I absolutely love the last chorus, especially the raise, raise the song on high. But in a lot of hymns, it simply repeats this, this is Christ the King. Right. Um, You don't always find that second and third chorus. Chorus refrain, yes. That's Um, that's so, and those those change intentionally. Like those, mm -hmm. those, those reflect the, the verse that was just previously sung. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's kind of a disservice that the hymns, the hymn books will often leave them out because they're sing all the lyrics, everybody. When you sing a hymn, sing all the lyrics. Sing them the way they're supposed to be sung. Amen. That's right. (laughs) We had a we had a professor at Howard Payne, uh, Dr. Robert Tucker, who whenever he sang certain hymns, he sang every verse because he said hymns tell a story. And uh-huh. if you leave out a verse, Baptists are bad about this. We like to sing the first, the third, and the fourth. Like, that's our thing. Or first, second, and fourth. Fourth, second, and fourth. Yeah, we yeah, leave out. Just, but yeah. a lot of times you leave out really key parts of a song, really. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, being a worship service programmer, we do it for time's sake. Sure. Right? We're like, well, sure. I've only got five minutes, so let me sing two hymns and just three verses of each hymn, and that'll get me, you know, rather than right. saying, no, we're going to really marinate on this one hymn and sing yeah. all... Now, I'm not saying sing all 12 verses of Just As I Am, okay? That's, that's one of those. That, <laughs> but there are certain songs like What Child Is This that tell a story. Right. So, And that answer a question. And that answer a question. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's the yeah. whole point. The, the refrain answers the question that we've just that's sung. Right. So, what what, what do you got on verse 1 there? Okay, so on verse 1, I just wrote down, um, Jesus is sleeping on Mary's lap. A beautiful, intimate picture. So, Mary was a new mom. And, you know, I remember, um, uh, and I'll tell this story, but i got to try hard not to get emotional. When I had had my baby, and they, they put, they... They gave him to me, you know, for that that skin to skin moment. So important. So um, important. Uh, he was what they call a growler, which is funny because even now he'll growl as a seven year old. <laughs> but he he was he was a growler because he had some uh, some fluid in his lungs, and so they said, "Well, we're going to have to take him to the NICU." And I remember them. Like, I was very weak, and I couldn't really move very much. But I I remember this, like, I wanted to scream, don't take my baby. Yeah, yeah. That's my baby. I just had this baby. You can't take him. And and all I could say, I could, I just told Stephen very weakly, I don't want them to take him. And he said, they have to, honey. And, of course, 
God be praised, he ended up being totally fine. Sure. But, you know, it just makes me think about that. She was a new mom. She was attached to her baby. Right. She's holding him. And then uh, whom angels greet with anthem sweet. Well, the angels weren't there. (laughs) Right. That's a little bit of a creative. That's creative. Creative license. Creative license, which he's a poet, so we can do that. And then whose shepherds watch her keeping. And we kind of already talked about that. The shepherds didn't really come to guard. They, They came to check it out. But they're there, you know, they're there checking it out. Right. Um, and then verse 2, why lies he in such mean estate? And I just wrote, well, verse 1 asks who he is, and the chorus 1 answers the question. So verse 2 follows up with another question. Well, if this is Christ the king, what's he doing in a barn? Yeah. You a logical know? question. Yeah. It's logical. Why is he here? And I remember as a child having to ask my parents, what does mean estate mean? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what that means. He's angry? No, not angry. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. Right. And then just admonishes the Christian to fear for sinners. Um, and then I, you know, again, we talked about did, did Christ choose the consciousness of an infant? How does the deity of Christ cope with being a baby, unable to even talk, how can he plead for anything? And there have been books upon books upon books written by incredibly intelligent theologian, theologians wrestling with that question. That's a that's a mis- right. that's mis- mystery is the best it's I can get just, to. It's just a mystery, and it it just it makes me really pause and just think about who Christ really is. The depth of who he is. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not a smart man. I like music and I like Christmas and I, you know, <laughs> I love Jesus. Um, and, and so the best it does for me is it just puts me in a state of wonder and awe. Yeah. And, and just, just yeah. awestruck that yeah. I, I, how does he all God and all men? You know, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you he was, and yeah. I can tell you he did it for all of mankind. And it, yeah. it absolutely floors me, floors me. Yeah. Uh, verse 3, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, so alluding to the gifts of the kings. And right. kind of, and I, I thought this was really cool, you know, saying just as the kings brought him gifts, let us also yes. bring him gifts, bring him gifts to honor him. Um, and then the king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. So... Uh, what I love is that that last verse kind of ends with a call, accept him, you know, yep. let your yep. heart enthrone him. And, and thinking about this as the manger throne, maybe he was yeah, that's exact- tying it back into that, yep. that he was enthroned in a manger and thrown him in your heart. And what a, what a uh, uh, what's the word contrast of words, manger throne. Just yeah. the idea that he, a manger, a feeding trough, and the throne being where the place of a king. So yeah, the birth, the story, of the birth of Jesus spreads out far beyond that. Just that one mantelpiece, um, and and the last thing I wrote, I just said, you know, and I, and we kind of already covered this too, but it's funny to speculate that the kings would have worshipped the one they were seeking, were that one Jesus or simply a great prince. They served the knowledge of the stars. They were driven to Jesus by misplaced faith, and yet they found him and worshipped him and protected him from Herod. That's true. And you know what? I mean, when you say that, the one they worship the stars, and I, I'm sure I'm stealing this because I'm, I've heard it somewhere, 
But the, they worshiped the stars, but the one who made the stars led them back right. to him. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that is something to say that, and kind of when I was writing this song down and I was thinking about kind of life application, like how do we, yeah. you know, sometimes we just pull these songs out once a year, we yeah. sing them once or twice and we put them back away. But the way I see it is this reader, this singer, this, this observer is truly questioning, who is mm. this? Who, yeah. what? Why is he in this manger? The first yeah. two, the first two verses, and yeah, we have the refrains that answer those questions so so strongly, mm-hmm. and in fact, musically, they move to a major feeling, you mm-hmm. know, expression. But in the, in the verses, it's a minor, and I, I think back to my faith journey, and even after I've decided to follow Jesus, there have been moments where I have deeply questioned God's plan. Mm-hmm. And said, Absolutely. "What are you? What on earth are you doing right now, Lord?" Yeah. And I think that's that's where I sit there and I say, you know, it's okay to question, it's okay to wrestle, because we yeah. we see we see that Paul wrestled. You know, he he talks about in Corinthians that we see dimly through through a mirror, through right? A mirror. And we mm-hmm. we wrestle with. He said, "Let's see." He says, "Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror." But then we will see, then being after we've been reunited with Christ, we will see everything uh, with perfect clarity. Uh, and, I, uh, and all I know now is partial and incomplete, but then mm. I will know everything completely, mm. just as God knows me completely. Yeah. And, you know, so I think that is so profound when we, when we come, when we approach not just the Christmas season, but specific songs mm. and to say, wow, okay, God, you're giving me a space to wrestle. You're giving me a space mm-hmm. to, to, to not understand and yet to mm-hmm. still sing out, to still raise, raise the song on high, to still mm-hmm. worship him. Mm-hmm. And one other, one other piece I found about this song that's, I think, very relevant at this very moment in time and history in America, this song became um, published uh, first right at the end of the Civil War. Oh, Think wow. about where our country was. Think about how oh, divided our country gosh. was, how angry, how hurting yeah. we were. Yeah. And this song, and it wasn't too long after that, the green sleeves got paired with it. And so the idea that, that Christ is the unifier, Christ yes. can bring us together. Yes. And, and yes, yeah, we're still going to be hurting and there's still yeah. going to be sin and there's still going to be struggle and pain. But at, at the end of the day, we can come to God with our questions. We can come to God with our with our hurts. Yeah. As William laid in that bed facing his own death, I'm sure he wondered what tomorrow held. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I just I think that's that's where I came from with him. I love your observations though. I think they're absolutely the idea that our our Christmas story sometimes we try to how did you put it? It can't be placed on a mantle. And you just want to put it on one mantle. On piece, one mantle. So we want yeah. it all to fit in one place. Yeah, and you're right, because you yeah. most manger scenes you got the angel in the corner. Yeah. You got the wise men over here. Now we yeah. we'll, in our family we'll put the wise men like off further away. Kind of to, right. right. But it's all right there. Because we want <laughs> the, we there. we want the kind of the courier and Ives style picture mm-hmm. of, of of the manger scene. So mm-hmm. man, let's talk just a minute. Um about our favorite versions of this song. Okay, so I asked you to cool. bring bring your favorite version and, and enjoy these. But So the first one you sent me, uh, and I actually was going to pick this one too, but I changed mine because we, we wanted to have... <laughs> so this is the first one you sent me, and it's probably one of the most well-known ones. Oh, saying. yeah. No, 
romance because it's a pianist, right? No, no bias. <laughs> Absolutely none. <laughs> talk about this version. Who is this and what do you love about uh, it? Vince Garaldi trio, Charlie yep. Brown Christmas. Come on. Um, and you know what's crazy is I don't think you actually hear this in the show when you watch You know, I have Charlie to go Brown. back and watch. I've I, watched. I don't think it's there, but it's in the recording. If it's you in could, the soundtrack, if yeah. If you get the soundtrack. And... Man, I just love listen to this this part. It's just those so, fills are so yeah, tasty. Oh. The, the fills are gorgeous. Um, I actually have this book at home, and so I sat down and played a little bit of it. And just the chords, the way that they manipulate these these very different chords underneath the melody. Yeah. Um, and they use, uh, I think, you know, you may correct me, I'm not as up on church modes as I got to be. But I think it's a Dorian? The Dor- well, yeah, the, 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 uh, I think this is the Dorian. The, the Dorian mode is the one that raises the, the six, Yeah, I think. yeah. And then the Aeolian mode is like the just traditional minor, like your right, minor, minor mode. Right, right. So I think, you know, they're using the, the Dorian uh-huh. because they can kind of have that little turn that, at I, the I lo- top. And- I I prefer the Dorian one that has more tension yes. to it than I do the traditional version we see I, in church most of the time. Yeah, I that do race too. six changes it just just enough that you're like, ooh, that's it, nice. It does. It's a hook. Yeah, and it, it really. And again, if you if you want to kind of take it back to what we talked about with with a spiritual application, it's just that mystery uh-huh. and where are we going and what is this? That's good. And, yeah, that's really You know, good. it's got that kind of that hook to it. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, love no, it. Great version. Vince Guaraldi Trio. Go find it. If you if you don't know that version, you've been living under a rock. I have to be honest. Oh, yeah. Watch Charlie Brown Christmas, yep, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the other version you gave me was um, by a girl I learned of as a Galinda the Good Witch. Right. But she's also... Um, a, a recording star, recording artist, and this is her version. Well, and again, I just love that Celtic flair and, yep. um, of course, her voice is just gorgeous. Very clean. It's very simple once she comes in. Yes. The simple guitar in the background. Uh huh. Yeah. So you got this simplicity of delivery for really a rather complex melody yeah. going on, and so this is a great combining. It is, and she's also just for the music, or she's also in Dor- Dorian mode as well. Uh huh. That's a Dorian yeah. mode. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful, Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. All right. So my versions that I picked, I actually find that that what child is this can be. Um, mashed up with other songs and often is oh, because yeah. of the minor mode. Yeah. Um, so I, this is one of the versions that I really enjoy. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So you'll recognize the first song, not as What Child Is This, but as uh, Carol the Bells. Oh, I love that one too. So, but as they get through about halfway through the song, they they begin to mix in. Well, because, because like at the the very first... Uh, what child is this? Is just a walk up. Uh huh. So you can do so much with that, and then it's a walk up, and then a triad down. Right. So, you know, going mm-hmm. down. So it, it, again, it's got that simplicity that you can kind of you can play around with things it. Yep. with. It's, yep. It's a great arranging tool. It's super fun. And this is Aeolian. Just so you know, it's uh-huh. more of the traditional version yeah. of it that we know. Right. Now, my last version 
is nothing. Like, in fact, it kind of dismisses green sleeves completely. So <laughs> if that's what you love about the song, which we've, we've discussed at great length and a wonderful length today, by the way, thank you for being on. This has been so, oh gosh, this has been so, so much fun. fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, this thank is you. our, thank you for having me. Oh man. I, I this was our yeah. first recording and it could not have been more fun and, and, and gone any better. So, um, but this last version, uh, actually is one that we've sung in our church because I oftentimes as the worship leader try to find different versions of songs to kind of introduce. Yeah. Most of the time yeah. we've all known, you know, what child is this? We've grown up singing yeah. it, whatever. Yeah. So I found this version and we've been singing it the last couple of years. Um, so let me. Ah, oh, nice beat. This is like if Tom Petty met Jesus <laughs> and wanted to sing Christmas songs. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap this sleeping? Who angels grieve? Yeah, I've never heard this one. This is cool. It's fun. It's by a group called Seabird. Okay. Good rock. Yeah. Really accessible by the church praise band. Uh, yeah, totally. Like it's it's yeah. very it's very yeah. Yeah. Love the beat. Love the And it took it yeah. took some time for our church to get used to it because it sure. was so different. Sure. Um, but after two or three years of kind of bringing it out, people sing along now and and really enjoy it. And uh, and so, you know, sometimes it's good to to get yourself out of a, a an assumptive rut to find something that kind of shakes it up. Yeah. And, and to me, something like this also brings the lyrics to the fore. Yes, it because does. you're paying more attention to what you're singing. Uh huh. Yeah. Here's their chorus. That's Seabird. Nice. So, nice. yeah, we had four very different versions there. I guess we had five because the first one was by a group called the Cathedral Singers. That was the oh, yeah. very traditional high church, kind of mm-hmm. everybody recognized it quickly. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'll put all those in the show notes to let you know about those. Um, but that, that man, I'm telling you, this has been a great conversation around not just not just the song, but kind of real life and and how we can take a song and really intelligently unpack it. So mm-hmm. it's been fun. Let me ask you this. What, what's one of your uh, favorite Christmas traditions? Okay, so can I share two? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, because one of them is more spiritual and one of them is a little less. Um, so I just love gathering around the Christmas tree Christmas morning. You know, there's just the three of us, me, my husband, my son. And we've always made sure, you know, I, I've worked in church as a church musician, so Christmas Eve is nuts. True, true story. Christmas Eve is a 13-hour day if you, if at least. Not, if you are a, a church <laughs> attender and a part of the congregation somewhere, <laughs> we love you and we want you to be a part, but you need to understand that church musicians spend hours, if not days, preparing yes. for that day. Yeah. yeah, last year at Christmas Eve, I was a part of four or five services. Wow. One of them was a midnight service. Oh, bless um, you. Yeah. Woo. And just, you know, and I was I was directing at the time, so it wasn't just playing. I was making sure everybody had their things together. You know, so it, it just Christmas Eve is nuts. Yeah. But Christmas Day, we are home. That, that's been something that ever since Stephen and I got married, we're like, this is ours. Yep. Christmas that's good. morning. That's really good. 
it's ours, nobody else's. And I love just gathering around the Christmas tree. You know, we open presents, and one of the things I do on purpose, I don't know why, it's just it's just from childhood, is when you open presents, you have to make a big mess. It's a rule. <laughs> you have to throw paper everywhere, and then if you want to roll in the paper later, no one's going to judge that's, you know what? That is, that is a unique tradition that I might have to adopt this year. I like that. So, you know, but that's just, you know, I love gathering around the table, uh, around the Christmas tree. Sorry, not the table, but it makes me think the table just, it's just such a great place of gathering. But um, uh, the other tradition, the other thing I've learned to love, and I don't know if it'll happen this year or not, is the midnight service. I had I had never participated in one until two years ago and man you know going through that it's a what the church that I was attending at the time what they used to do is just a very quiet chapel service I always did a holy night uh-huh of course you know of course and uh and so it was very quiet but to wait until the clock struck midnight and then to say Christ is born. Christ is here. Merry Christmas, everyone. I was just like, <gasps> that's very powerful. Oh my gosh. You know, it was just yeah. so cool. And so I really did love that, even though it didn't mean I wouldn't get home till one o'clock in the morning. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and the older we get, the harder that is to happen. It's harder know? to make it yeah. happen the older yeah. we get. Yeah. So, you know, but those were just two things about Christmas that I'm like, ooh, so that's neat. super cool. So yeah. Cool. And I, I have always wanted to go to a midnight mass or midnight service. Mass is more the Catholic version but there's yeah. other churches that do it yeah. i have always wanted to and have yet to do it so maybe this year will be the year if you can try to check it out because and again oh, i too. i don't know if i'll be able to this year i'm not sure but um just that that feeling of well no it's really here that the clock struck 12 yep it's really here yep and um and and of course we what was really cool this this past uh year that i got to do it we sang Silent Night, and I didn't plan it this way, but it just happened. We sang Silent Night with our candles, uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. Sleep in heavenly peace, midnight. It was like beautiful. Ripe. It was like perfect timing. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cool to just yes. think of that. So. Yeah, everything had to come together for that timing to happen exactly. just like that. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for being my guest today on Comfort and Joy. I'm so glad you got to come by. Thank you guys for joining us today. Yeah. Comfort and Joy was recorded at Torn Curtain Studios in Plano, Texas. It was produced by me, Tim Groves, and Meadows Baptist Church. For more information and links to sources for today's show, please see our show notes. The theme music for Comfort and Joy was written and arranged by Dennis Lambert. For more info or to support him and his craft, you can do so on his Patreon account, and you can find that link on our show notes. Finally, remember to check out meadowsbaptist.org and join us for our weekly live stream services, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Stay safe, stay hopeful, and remember, there is comfort and joy this holiday season, no matter what season you're in. Mm -hmm.